The reason I want us to do this this morning is twofold. Uh, number one is we, uh, we committed at the first of this year to uh, have a, a renewed emphasis on prayer uh, in, uh, in, in this church. Uh, we've tried to do that in several different ways. We've had some evening uh, services devoted to prayer. We're going to have more of those. Every, every other week we have a, what's called 12 hours of prayer. Uh, in which we ask you to come up at some time during the day uh, to one of the campuses, whichever one it's at, and just spend some time praying. We have some prayer guides there to kind of lead you through that uh, time of prayer. Um, our staff has, has kind of renewed and tried to emphasize prayer and praying for others, praying for each other. And uh, this last uh, Thursday, I was in Scott City, Kansas, and spoke at a National Day of Prayer service. And I spoke on this passage. And, and so this week as I was preparing, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to talk about this. Uh, this morning uh, here at Lincoln. So that's, that's why we're here. Um, in Scott City, I gave them the 15-minute version of this, and you are not getting that version. Uh, you're getting a different version, a bit longer. Uh, but anyway, but I could do it. I did it in like 17 or so at Scott City. So Matthew 26, and then I'm going to begin reading in verse 36, and we're going to go all the way to verse 46, okay? You'll, you'll recognize this, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the night before his crucifixion, uh, actually just minutes before uh, his, his arrest and betrayal. Verse 36 says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Father, we, uh, we ask you this morning to teach us about prayer, uh, to teach us about the necessity of prayer. God, that, that's really, God, what we see in this passage is how desperately we need to be connected to you. We need to be conversing with you. We need to be praising and thanking and imploring and pleading and, and worshiping in prayer. And so, Father, I pray that, that you would put it in us to be radically dependent Upon you in all circumstances, in all times, in all situations. Father, I I pray that you would spur us through the power of your Holy Spirit to be men and women and students of prayer. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's kind of funny what people need motivation to do at different times in their life. I can think of two instances right away that really impress upon me how, how funny it is that we would need to be motivated to do a certain thing. Uh, one of them, and I've seen this many, many times, and that's in the hospital, uh, when, when a family's gathered around someone who's very ill, 
And the family is all in one accord encouraging and motivating that person to eat. Okay? Now, you, you've seen that probably, haven't you? Have you ever been around someone who's very sick? You know? I mean, they, 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 they will go to great lengths. I, I, I remember just a, a few weeks ago being in a hospital room, and, and man, the family's gathered around, and they're like, you know, Mom, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want, you want a Dairy Queen blizzard? Do you want, a, you know, you want a blast from Sonic? Do you want a milkshake? Do you want, you know, do you want some, you want a hamburger? Do you want some french fries? Do you want, you know, cheese tater tots? Do you want, I mean, they're just naming all this. Stuff. We'll go get you whatever you want. And they've even got some food there, and, and they're trying to, you know, just take a bite. Try to, are you feeling okay? Do you think you can get this down? You know what I mean? They're just motivating, motivating, motivating to eat, okay? And, and really, when you step back and think about that, that's a funny thing, right? Because do, do you need that in your life right now? You know, here, here in a few minutes, when, when you go to, to lunch, well, you need someone to say, come on, you got eat the pizza, eat the pizza. I mean, you don't need that, do you? In fact, m- many times we need motivation the other way. Stop, for goodness sake, stop eating, you know? I mean, that's really what we need, isn't it? But, but eating is very natural to us. And, and normally, if things are right in you, if you're healthy and you're well and your body is fit, you don't need any motivation to eat. You don't need anybody having to tell you you ought to eat you need to eat some more you know what can i go get you to eat you know uh, you don't need that why because you shouldn't need motivation to eat uh probably the funniest one i could think of and and, and i've seen this five times I've, I've had five kids and 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 is having to tell somebody to breathe okay now that that's a strange thing okay and, and if, you, if you've been through the Lamaze classes, you know, I mean, guys have a pretty important job in the delivery room. And, you know, I don't think women understand how difficult it is on us, what we have to go through, you know, on the, uh, on the day of the birth. But, but it's a big job. And, and, I mean, you actually have to take classes to do this job. And I, I've taken them several times. And it, it's the, the whole breathing thing. And, it, you know, I thought it was a funny thing when I first took the class. You know, I joked around. Me and the other guys were, you know, cracking jokes about it and everything. But sure enough, you know, we get in there and, and Emma's in labor and, and you know, you're not supposed to push right away or you mess things up. And so you, you got to breathe through the contractions. That's what they tell you to do. But what happens is, you know, the pain hits and, and, and contractions come and in this grueling pain. And, and I look over at my wife and sure enough, you know, I mean, she's got her teeth clenched and her lips are first and, and she turns like from, from her regular color to red and then blue and then purple and she's squinting and veins are coming out. I never knew she had veins in those places, you know, coming out and, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, my job, my job, you know, breathe, breathe, you got to breathe, you know. And, and in the Lamaze training, they tell you it's not enough just to encourage them to breathe. You actually got to show them, you know, because women in childbirth, they're in pain. They're not thinking clearly. So you got to, you know, you got to do the breathing deal. You got to show them. Here's how you do it. You got to breathe in and out like this, in and out like this, you know. And sure enough, you know, you know she, my wife listen to me. You start breathing. You, know, you do the little hee hee hoos, all that stuff, you know. And you start breathing. You get through the contraction, you know. But, you know, afterward, I'm just thinking, how strange is that? You know, to have to tell somebody to breathe. You know, here's this person about to explode, you know. And you, you got to tell them, no, you got to breathe. You got to breathe. I mean, it's funny that we would have to be, mo- I mean, you don't, you, nobody's got to tell you that now, do they? I mean, nobody, nobody's time to tell you to breathe. You just breathe automatically. You know you have to breathe, and it's a very natural thing. Well, I think even stranger than those two, I mean, just work with me here. Stranger than those two, I really think, is to have to motivate a child of God to pray. Isn't that odd? To have to motivate a child of God to pray. You, 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 you've been born again by the Spirit of God. You've been joined to Jesus Christ. And yet, yet we have to be motivated to pray. The disciples, the apostles, Jesus takes them and he sits them in the garden. He shows them how distressed he is and he brings them in and he comes to them specifically to Peter and James and John. And he says, guys, you need to watch and pray. This is what you need to do right now. You know, isn't that strange that he would have to tell them that? That he would have to tell them that time and time again. You need to pray. And, and, and really, we can identify with that, can't we? And we understand that. Um, 
We've all had Sunday school teachers and preachers and parents and grandparents, haven't we, that, that, that tell us to pray. I told my kids last night. I mean, we, we, were have, we read our hero tales, we read our George Mueller. And then, you know, I told them, I said, guys, you know, are you praying? Have you been praying? You know, and again, okay, kind of talking, you know. Have you, but we, we have to be reminded of that. We have to be told of that. And, and isn't that a strange thing? You know, when you think about that, 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 that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have access to the power and grace of God through prayer. You know, when you think about the people in the Old Testament, uh, you think about them, that they couldn't even come to the, to the presence of God. You know, they had the Holy of Holies in the temple and only the priest, the high priest, once a year could go in there. Nobody else, nobody else had access to that, to the presence of God. And, and not only that, but even the, 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 what was that called? The court of the priests. Well, most people couldn't go there. And, and then there was the court of the men and the court of the women and, and people like us, the Gentiles, we couldn't even get all the, the furthest we could get was the court of the Gentiles, not really even into the temple. You know what I mean? That's the picture of the Old Testament is that God is holy and you don't have access to him. Okay, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, what we learn in the Bible is that we can draw near to God through as we come to him in faith and repentance, we have a personal relationship with him and we can come to God and he hears the prayers of his people and he's chosen. God has chosen in his sovereignty to move and work and save and provide through the prayers of his people. God said, that's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to do this work on the earth is I'm going to do it through the prayers of my people. And we learn in the Bible that God delights when we call out to him in prayer. It honors God when we pray. Psalm 50 talks about what kind of sacrifice God wants. And in verse 14, it says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon Him in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. God God says, how am I going to be glorified? I'm going to be glorified when you call to me in the day of trouble. And so there's all, all these reasons why we should pray, just like we should breathe and just like we should eat. Believers should, should find themselves continually in prayer. But, but what, what our experience is, tell me, if, tell me if I'm wrong here, our experience is we struggle to pray consistently. We struggle to stay in prayer. We struggle to, to, to not be distracted, you know, because of our sinful flesh. We'd rather watch TV than pray. We'd rather listen to music than pray. We'd rather browse Facebook than pray. We'd rather text our friends and communicate with the living almighty God. It's because we're sinners, we're broken in that way. When we do pray, we find our mind wandering and our will wavering. And, and so many times we look just like these three guys here, not praying when we ought to be praying. So prayer is a means to prepare us. Listen to what Jesus says here. Listen to what he says. He doesn't just tell these guys, hey, you need to pray. He gives them a specific reason. Look in verse 41. Verse 41, he says, watch and pray. Why? That you may not enter into temptation. You see that? Matthew 26, 41. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Okay? So, so guys, you, something's coming and, and you're going to fall into temptation. And so what you need to do is watch and pray so that you don't. So that you don't fall. So you don't blow it. Okay? So, so, so you, you don't mess up your life here. Okay? Prayer is the means by which God puts in us what we're going to need to be faithful during the temptation. Okay, it's kind of like kind of like an outfitter. You know, our, our kids when they when they go to Red Cloud, when they're getting ready to, to to go up on their big hike, they go into this big cabin type room, and there's an outfitter in there, and he gives them everything they're going to need. 
And it's interesting because there's a lot of times where they don't think they're going to need it. You know, it's like he, he starts packing on the snowshoes and they're like, I don't need snow. I don't, I don't want to carry any more weight. I don't need snowshoes. No, no, no. You're going to need them. You know, you, you're going to need this. You don't know that you're going to need this, but you're going to need this. You know, or a lot of them are like, you know, I got my fluffy little Barbie sleeping bag. You know, I'm just going to take it. It's the one I sleep in. I don't like to sleep in anybody else's bag. And they're like, you need a zero degree bag. Okay. Or you're going to die. All right. But you, you don't know you need this, but you're going to need this. Okay. Prayer is the means Jesus says by which he equips us for what lies ahead. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to face next week. You don't know what your temptation is going to be. It's just going to hit. And, and prayer is the means. Jesus is telling them, you pray now so that you are prepared for what's to come. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But God does that through prayer. He does that through communing with him, through having a relationship with him. And so as believers, we can be confident that whatever we face in life, God's going to give to us what we need so we don't cave, so we don't fall, so we persevere okay but but please note he does that through prayer one of my favorite verses on prayer is hebrews 4 16 it says this let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that's prayer we're coming right to the throne of god to the throne of grace through prayer that why that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need hear that you know, the writer of Hebrews says, he's going to come near to the throne of grace why so you'll receive god god will give you mercy and he'll give you grace for your time of need, okay? Now, now, notice what he says here. He says, watch and pray. He tells Peter, James, and John, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, okay? So, so what's the implication of that, all right? Jesus says, watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. Could, could we switch that around? I, I, I'm asking genuinely here. Could we switch it around and say, okay, if we don't watch and pray, what does that mean? Well, that, that probably means that there's a high likelihood we'll fall into temptation. Isn't that what that means? I mean, if Jesus tells them, Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. Then I think if you switch that around, he's saying, if you don't watch and pray, there's a good possibility, maybe a good likelihood. I'm, I'm not, my, right now, I'm really wanting to say you will, but I, I hate to speak that authoritatively. But it seems to me that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't watch and pray, then you're going to fall. You're not going to see what you need to see. You're not going to know what you need to know. You're not going to be ready. You're not going to be in the right state of mind to battle what you need to battle, okay? So with that in mind, let me give you a couple truths from this passage, all right, that should motivate us to pray, okay? So why should you be people who pray? Okay, you're all busy. I know everybody's busy. Everybody in America is full out busy. I mean, I, I'm completely convinced of that. Everybody I talk to could not put another thing in their life. They've, they've stacked their life. Part of it's just our prosperity. We're so rich that we can put all kinds of stuff in our life until it's up to here. And, and we're, it's, it's got us by the throat and we don't know what else to do, but every, everybody's like that. Okay. And so I know I'm talking to people that say, I can't fit anything else in my life. It's all covered up. Okay. I, we're, let's just assume we're all talking to everybody like that. Okay. So why, why should you carve out a piece of that you're going to have to let go of something else, right? Why should you carve out a piece of that and really devote your life to regular, consistent prayer, okay? Several reasons from this passage. Number one, you're not as strong as you think you are, okay? You're not as strong as you think you are. Now, maybe you're going to say, Pastor, I'm not going to fall. Man, I'm not going to fall. I've been a Christian a long time. Man, I'm strong. I know the Bible. I've taught Sunday school. You know, we're, I'm past that, you know, youth where I'm, you know, I, I am not going to fall, Okay, many of you would say that. I really think you would think that. Okay, well, there's another guy that thought that. Look, look here in your Bibles. Go up a few verses to verse 33. Okay, now I'm going to start reading in verse 31. Uh, this is Jesus uh, uh, talking to his disciples. He says in verse 31, 
You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the, sh- and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Okay, hear what Jesus says? You're all going to fall away this night. Okay? Now, Peter, he's like us. He's like looking around saying, yeah, he probably will. <laughs> I know, yeah, him, her, yeah, I can see that. I, I'll sit by them in Sunday school. They're, they're, I don't know. Yeah, they, they probably will. Okay, but listen to what he says. Peter answers, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. I will never. Hear that? I'll never. I'll never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times, Peter. Peter, you'll deny you know me. You'll say you don't know me. You'll say you're not connected to me. You'll say you're not joined to me. You'll say you don't believe in me. Three times before before morning comes, Peter, you're going to do that. This is what Peter says. He says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Anybody in here would say that? Man, I, I would never fall away. I would never mess up my marriage. I would never mess up my kids. I would never fall into depression. I would never go into despair. I'd never not stop coming to, I would never stop coming to church. I'll, I'll never, you know, stop giving. I'll never stop. I will never be unfaithful. How I many would say that? Well, Peter said that very clearly. He says, even if I have to go to death, I'll deny you. Within about eight hours. He denied Jesus three times. You know what that tells me? Either we're nothing like Peter, or probably more likely we're a lot like Peter, and we're not as strong as we think we are. Given the right circumstances and the right struggles and the right difficulties, I think we could be in trouble. True? I think I could. I think I could be in trouble. Overconfidence is really a dangerous thing in your spiritual life. That feeling that you're fine and, and you'll never fall. Man, Jesus sums it up, doesn't he? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that true? Flesh is weak. And we need to be real careful. Now, I'm not saying we need to be morbid and just walk around like the boulder's about to drop and we were too weak to do it. I don't think we should be that way. But I think we should have a healthy distrust of our own flesh. And a healthy dependence upon God. You see, one, one, of the, one of the clearest ways that we say to God, I'm fine, I'm doing, I'm doing well on my own, and I don't really need you, is when we don't pray. Isn't that true? When, when, we, when we get up in the morning, we got lots to do. Wait, what do we say? Man, I got, I got to get to that customer. I got to get this done. I got the kid to get the kids here. Got to go there. Got to, you know, and this is all stuff that has to be done, right? It's all stuff that if I don't do, man, th- Today's going to it's going to go bad. Prayer I, I can I don't have to do that. We can save that tonight. Tomorrow. I can get by today. If I don't get the kids to school on time, whew, that's going to be bad, you know. Or if I if I don't get to this sale, whoa, our, we may lose a house, okay? But but prayer no, I, I can get I can I can get by without praying. I think we should have a healthier distrust of our own selves than that. Number two, why should you pray? Because there are temptations that you don't anticipate around the corner. You know, when, when Jesus is telling these guys, you know, you're all going to fall away from this night, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. They really, I don't think, even though he had told them and told them, I don't think they had any idea of what was coming. I really don't. 
I, I don't think that they were envisioning that in just a few hours, Jesus was going to be scourged, that he was going to be beaten beyond recognition, that he was going to be drugged through the streets of Jerusalem and nailed up on a cross. I, just, I don't think they ha- I mean, I just thought, I think they thought, man, Jesus somehow to pull it out. He walked on water. He fed 5,000. This guy's a miracle worker. He can raise the dead. There's no way that what's going to happen is this. I just don't, I don't think they ever expected that. I, I, I just think it hit them blind. And in the same way, folks, there are many things that we don't expect are coming. This is what Jesus says. He says in verse 31, he says, watch and pray. Now, now it's, it's interesting that you look through your Bible. That's everywhere in your Bible. Let me give you some examples. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You hear that? Watch and pray. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 18. Um, says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert. That's the same word there. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. First Peter chapter five, uh, verse seven and eight says, casting all your anxieties upon him. That's a form of prayer. When you cast your anxieties upon the Lord, because he cares for you, be sober minded and watchful for your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We see this all through the Bible, this watch and pray. These two go together. Okay. And what what does he mean by watch? What does he mean by by be alert. Well, what he's talking about there is be aware of the spiritual realities around you. Be conscious of what's going on in your heart and around you spiritually, in the hearts of those around you. Be aware of what temptations are lurking, of what spiritual battle is coming up. I mean, these guys were not watching. They were not alert. They didn't see what was coming. Even though Jesus had told them if they'd been in prayer, they, they would have known that. They would have seen that. They would have understood what's coming. And we need to be alert. We need to be alert. It's so easy to go through life not really aware of what's happening. You know, moms and dads, man, it's Mother's Day. And let me just tell you, I think one of the, the deepest needs of moms and dads is to pay attention to the spiritual lives of your kids. There's so many times where it's easy just to fly right by that, you know, and say, well, they're okay. And, you know, they're not doing drugs and they're not in jail. So I'm sure they're okay. You know, maybe, maybe not. Are you, know, are you alert? Do you know what's going on there? Do you know what's going on in the spiritual life of your kids? Are you, are you paying attention to what temptations are coming? You know, and, and, and folks, we can't see that unless we watch and pray. Okay? If we don't watch and pray, we're not going to know. You know, what, what's coming around the corner in your life? I don't know. You don't know. Is it a season of suffering? Is it a season of grief? Is, is it someone's going to offend you? And you're going to have this struggle of your life trying to forgive that person and trying to reconcile that relationship, trying to stay in your family, stay in your church. You know, is it, is it a struggle with bitterness? Is it a season of depression? Is it, is it a temptation to be covetousness or lustful or discontent or pride for immorality or adultery? What is? I don't know. And you don't know. But, but, but something's coming, okay? It, I mean, we're all going to keep living, hopefully. And so what that means is something coming, is coming around our lives. And we have a desperate need to watch and pray. I was talking to a guy this weekend. And I was talking to him about this passage. We were reading through Mark together. And, and we came across the, this passage, except it was in Mark. And, and, he, and he said, well, okay, pastor. He said, you're, 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 you're kind of scaring me because you're all kind of fatalistic. Like, you know, we're all going to fall. And it's going to, you know. And, and he said, and pastor, even, even if we do fall, isn't there forgiveness? Yeah, there is. If you're a genuine believer, if you're truly connected to Christ, if you, if you mess up, can you come to God in repentance and confess your sin and be forgiven? Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. But here's the truth. Isn't there real consequences for sin that sometimes you'll have to bear the rest of your life? Yes. I don't want those. I don't want those. You think Peter ever got over having denied Jesus three times before his crucifixion? You think he ever forgot that? I don't think he ever forgot that. 
And and in the same way, folks, we can make decisions and that have consequences for the rest of our lives. Can we be forgiven? Yes, we can. But do we do we want to avoid those consequences? Absolutely. So should we watch and pray? Here's a question. Should we watch and pray so that we can stop the temptation from coming or so that we can make it through the difficult temptation without sin? Yes and yes. Okay. There are times where we should watch and pray so that we don't fall into sin. Okay. That's kind of what Jesus is telling these guys. You know, I really believe if David had been praying on his rooftop and communing with the father instead of napping, Maybe when he got up and looked across and saw Bathsheba bathing, maybe things would have turned out a lot different. I mean, can you imagine the, the amount of misery that that family would have avoided had David been watching and praying? But there's other times where we can't avoid it. So in other words, what's coming around from the corner for me, it's not going to stop if I watch and pray. So it, it might be cancer, it might be heart disease, or it might be a financially difficult time, or... You know, whatever. But but if we're watching and praying, here's the thing. God gives grace. Remember, why do we pray? Because God gives grace and mercy. He sends it down the pipeline. When we pray, it releases his grace and mercy into our lives so that we're able, we're able to go through whatever's coming for us without sin, without falling away, without being faithless, without ruining it. So number one, why should you pray? Why, why should you be a person who carves out specific time in your week, you, you should do so. Why? Because you're not as strong as you think. Number two, because the temptations that are coming around the corner. And number three, because our friends are in the thick of battle. And I want you to notice Jesus is in the midst of unfathomable stress and pain and pressure in this passage. The Garden of Gethsemane is one of the passages that we look at. And, and I don't really think we have a, a mindset to get our heads around what Jesus is experiencing in, in this time. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think we can fathom that. Why? Because I don't think you and I have the, have, the, have the ability to fathom what is it like to be a holy, sinless son of God and to take upon yourself the murderous and filth and violence and perversion and immorality of mankind. What is that like? You and I don't know that. I mean, there's no way for us to get our heads around that. How would we know that? We would not know that. We don't know really what Jesus went through during this time. We, we, we don't know what it's like to bear the wrath of Almighty God for the sins of the entire world. We don't know that. We, we can't imagine that. But Jesus is in the throes of that. He's in the throes of realizing he's going to bear the sin of humanity. As the sinless son of God, he's going to take on the sins, uh, our sins and the sins of humanity. He's going to take that upon himself. And verse 38 says, he is sorrowful even unto death. Okay? Jesus is literally just being ripped apart on the inside. The Bible tells us in Luke that, that great drops of blood came out with his sweat. Capillaries broke in his, in, his, in his forehead and his head because of the intense pressure upon him. And, and he began to bleed. It's an actual medical condition. Okay? That's the kind of stress and sorrow and agony that Jesus is under. And so what does he do? He calls, this, this amazes me. He calls three of his friends and he says, guys... I need you. Would you please stay here and watch with me? Watch and pray. Would you pray? Pray for me. You watch. You pray. Pray for yourself so you don't enter into temptation. He needs his friends. That's a beautiful picture to me. They, they couldn't take away what was coming. It would have been sin for them to do so. They couldn't take it away. But, but what did Jesus need from them? He needed them to be with him, to, walk, to go through this thing with him, to watch and to pray, to pray for God to open the heavens and to show Jesus, to give him strength, to give him endurance, to give him the ability to keep going so, so that he could see the joy that was set before him, that he might endure the cross. And they wouldn't do it. They slept. You know, let me ask you, you'd have to be pretty cool, cruel to uh, 
to drive by your neighbor and, and he's been working on his car, been changing the tires or something. He's gotten underneath it and it's fallen and he's pinned underneath there, you know, and you drive by, he's in his driveway and he's wailing and screaming and flailing. And you'd have to be a pretty cruel person to walk, drive by and say, Hey, Gary, I hope you get out, brother. You wouldn't do that, would you? I hope you wouldn't do that. But how many of us would know our brother or sister is really in need? They're really going through a deep struggle. And how many of you would would not invest time? Time. I'm not talking about a second in the grocery store as you walk by them. Or as you just talk to him, you know, Lord, pray for Tony. I'm, I'm talking about how, how many of you would, would not invest time in, in being with your brother or your sister through that trial by praying for him. There are so many circumstances in life. We can't do anything else. You notice that so many times we can't, you know, you, what do you do for a family that's just lost? I was just in Scott City. What do you do for a mom and dad that just lost their, their son? Their daughter-in-law and their two little granddaughters in a plane crash. What do, what do you do for that family? You, you, you can take that away. <laughs> you can't take that away. We've had tragedy this week in, in our own town. What, do you, what, do you get, what about when it's our friends? What, what about when you, there's a family? What about when there's a marriage that's breaking apart? What about when there's kids that are in rebellion? What, what are you going to do for them? We, we need to be there. We need to encourage. We, but you know what we need? To, we need to be with them in prayer. We need to be with them in prayer. We need to battle with them in prayer. We need to come to the Father relentlessly praying that God would send His grace and mercy into those people's lives to give them what they need. Here's the great thing. A lot of times we're so limited in what we can give them. God knows exactly what they need. And God can give that. And so we ought to, we ought to pray for our friends. You know, there's a clear tie between keeping spiritually alert and praying for your friends, okay? We see that in the scriptures, that watch and pray, watch and pray. They always go together. And, and there are times when, when, when we're aware of what's going on around us spiritually, we're more compelled to pray for our friends, right? But, but on the other side, when we pray for our friends, we are more aware of what's going on around us spiritually. Those two are, it's both, okay? So in other words, if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm watching and praying in my own life, I'm gonna be more aware of what Tony's going through, you know? How many of you have ever, in your own prayer time, some, God just laid something on your heart? Does that ever happen to you? You know, you've been praying, and man, just somebody just was heavy on your heart. And, and I, I, this happens to me all the time. I'll, I'll pick up my phone usually right after I get done praying, and I'll text them. A lot of times I, you know, and I don't say, hey, what's wrong? The Spirit told me you're going through it. You know, I don't do that. But I, I'll just say something like, man, I've been, I've been praying for you. You know, I prayed for you this morning, or whatever. And I can't tell you how many times they'll text back and say, man, Pastor, you don't know, man. I, I'm going through the toughest time of my life right now. How'd you know? Well, I, I really didn't. I was just praying and God kind of laid you on my heart. So as we watch, we pray. But the other way around as well, if I pray persistently for my kids, here's what I believe. God helps me to watch better. Okay? In other words, if I pray for Hannah and Addie and Haddon and, and Avery and, and Haven on a regular basis, he, I believe God's going to give me insight in their life. Okay? Man, that's, that's a significant thing, I think, for moms. Moms, you want to know what's going on in your kids' lives? I know many of you do. You know, you're the, you're the whole sneaking around, you know, trying to listen to the phone conversations and, you know, putting in the, the little cameras, you know, and, and, you know, got the tracking them on the GPS, you know. And, hey, that's all good. But you know what's even better? You, you pray fervently and consistently, and I believe God's going to help you know what your kids need. Amen? Yeah? I think you will. Watch and pray. Your friends need you. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
You hear that? There it is, together, keep alert, making supplication for all the saints. How do you keep alert? By praying. How do you pray? By keeping alert. I mean, those two go together. You're not going to know what's going on spiritually unless you persevere in prayer. Fourthly, why should we pray? This one's short, but I think it's really worth thinking about because Jesus is gloriously at work. These guys missed it. Man, they just missed it. And Jesus had told them time and time again. We read that in the scripture. He told them what's going to happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to to be put to death. You know, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be be strung up. You know, and they just couldn't fathom what he was saying. And how could that be the plan of God? And they just completely missed it. Jesus right here in this passage is about to do the most important event in all of human history. In all the universe. Our salvation, our redemption was about to be accomplished. And the disciples are sleeping. I mean, they're, they're oblivious. They're, they're not, and I know they were tired. You know, I, I know if you look at this, they had been up, they'd been ministering, they'd been under stress and strain. I know their, their flesh is truly weak. I mean, they're, they're, they're really tired. But Jesus is about to go to the cross and what's most pressing on their minds is a nap. Friends, here's the thing. Jesus is not going to the cross again, but I believe he's working. You know, I think he's working. I mean, I think my Bible tells me that, that God is at work. God is at work in our world. The kingdom is going forward. And we're not going to be in tune to that unless we pray, unless we watch and pray. We're not going to be mindful of the work of God or the moving of the Holy Spirit unless we pray. Final one, final motivation to pray. Okay, Jesus needed to pray. Why should you pray? Why should you carve out time in your day to faithfully, consistently, continually pray? Why, why can't you be the one that says, you know, I got this covered, Pastor. I'm a good businessman. I'm good with people. I've got a great family. I got this covered. Well, what I'm looking at here is Jesus, who was 100% God and 100% man, needed to pray. He struggled. With, with the will of God for his life. Not, not sinfully, not disobediently, but in his own flesh, which we have the same. You know, he struggled with taking upon himself the sins of the world, bearing the filth of humanity, being tortured and mocked and cursed and crucified. And Jesus himself came three times, Father, is there another way? Is it, if it's possible, Lord, that there's another way. But Lord, if it's not, your will be done. But Jesus struggled in prayer. He needed to pray. He needed to come to the point where, where Hebrews tells us, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Well, what, what happened there in the garden? In the garden, Jesus saw, he, he, through prayer, God gave him the ability to, to focus upon the joy that was coming to enable him to bear the wrath of God for humanity. Friends, if Jesus needed to pray, is it possible that we don't? Is that possible? Is it possible that we can handle our marriages without God's help? Is that possible? Is it possible that we can handle our kids without the grace of God? God, I got this. Is that possible that we can do that? Is it possible that we can make the right decisions and avoid all the dangerous pitfalls and become who God wants us to be without? I just don't think it is. I think it's really arrogant of us to to look at Jesus agonizing all night in prayer and say, that's good for him, but I really don't need to do that. I, I got this deal covered, you know? I'm exactly who God wants me to be, doing exactly what God wants me to be. My kids are going to be fine. Our my marriage is going to be fine. My relationships will be fine. I'll get to heaven one day and God will say, hey, you did it all right. Good job. And that's arrogant. 
and very highly, highly unlikely. I paid my insurance on my scooter a couple months ago for six months premium, $3.38. Can't believe prices these days. Cost me $7 a year to insure my scooter, my Schwinn. I drive it all the time. $7 a year. Now, I will say, though, that's only the liability, okay? That's all I have on it. In other words, the only thing I'm insuring is the damage that I'll do to you if I hit you. And what the insurance company says is you're not going to do much damage. That's what they're banking on, okay? Now, now let me be honest, though. I'm making a gamble by doing that, aren't I? Because you know what I'm leaving out? I'm leaving out the damage to my scooter, which is probably not big. But the big thing with a scooter is, is medical on yourself. That's the big thing with a scooter. Probably a motorcycle, too. is medical on yourself. And, and, and they were given the options. And when, when you got, if you get medical on yourself... That jumps at about 80 times the price, okay? It was something like $200 a year if you get, if you get medical on yourself. In other words, if I'm in a wreck and if, if their insurance doesn't cover my medical expenses or my health insurance doesn't cover them, then that would kick in and it would cover the medical insurance. But I was just looking at that, $338 every six months. Yes, you know, and, and that's all I signed up for, okay? And, and it's a gamble. What I'm gambling is that I'm not going to get badly hurt, okay? Now, I know, I always take the risk when I do stuff like this because I'm going to have 30 people on the way out. You're stupid, you know. You need to get that. You know, I know. But, 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 but I'm gambling that, that I'm not going to get hurt. And you know what? I might not. I might ride that until it's in the ground, toast, and I may never get hurt. Okay? I may, but, but there's a good chance that I'll, I'll win that gamble. Now, a bigger gamble, though, is for you to say, I'm just not much of a prayer. I know pastors always raving about it, ranting about it, but I think I'm fine. And I tried, but I'm distracted. And Man, he doesn't know how busy I am. I'm busy. I work 793 hours every week in the oil field. I am busy. I coach 29 soccer teams on top of that. Pastor, you don't have any idea. If, I, if, I, if all I did was sit at the church all day, I'd pray. But I don't. I got a life. And you know what? I think I'm okay. I'll, I'll pray at dinner. And every night I say a few words to God. You're making a lot bigger gamble than I am. You make my scooter thing look pretty small. You know what you're gambling? You're gambling that you are just awesome enough in yourself that you're going to make it through this thing right. You do things right with your family. You're going to do things right with your own life, the purpose of your life. Someday in heaven, you're not going to have any regrets. And you're going to do it all without investing serious time in prayer. That's a, that's a big gamble. That's a huge gamble. The apostles made the gamble early on, and they lost. They slept, and every one of them blew it. I think we should take that as an example. They did. They changed. I think we should as well. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation.
My Father in heaven, thank you, Jesus, that you have paved the way for us. You've opened the door. You've, you've torn the veil in two so that we can walk right into the throne room of God. And Lord, we can ask you today, God, to, to make us, show us how much we need. Just show us how much we need to be dependent upon you. Show us, God, how, how desperately uh, we need your grace and your mercy flowing into our lives. God, please keep us from sin. Please keep us from from blowing it, God. Keep us faithful. God, put in us what, what needs to be there for us to be the people of God. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.